The need for transplantable organs is uh, particularly acute in Australia. We have a lot of people that could use organs to greatly improve their lives or save their lives. And the fact that our, our organ donation rate here has remained in the bottom half of developed countries has put particular pressure on us to try and find more. This is The Conversations Speaking With podcast. I'm William Isdale. When you leave your house in the morning, you might think that the most precious things you carry with you are your watch, your wallet, or maybe your new designer handbag. But what about your heart, or your kidneys, or your liver? For a small number of us, if we die in the right kind of circumstances, that precious cargo can be a gift which can help save the lives of others. Advances in medicine have helped make organ and tissue transplantation an everyday miracle. But it's created a dilemma too, because not nearly enough organs are available for all of those who could benefit. Compared to many other countries, Australia's organ donation performance leaves something to be desired. My guest today is a founder of the website organdonationrates.org, and his PhD thesis, published last year, is about Australia's policy response to the tissue and organ shortage. His name is Dr. Arik Bendorf, and he's a research fellow at the Centre for Values, Ethics and the Law in Medicine at the University of Sydney. I spoke to Dr. Bendorf about what we need to do if Australia is going to match or exceed some of the world's leading donation countries. Australia did indeed used to be a world leader in organ donation as well as organ transplant outcomes. We're still a leader in organ transplant outcomes. However, in terms of organ donation, our performance has declined significantly. Of late, um, since 2000, at the beginning of 2009, the organ donation rate has climbed significant to where it was, but that's relative to a very low base because when we look at Australia's performance in organ donation relative to other developed countries, again, we're in the, the bottom half of those countries. Are we ever going to be a world leader unless we change, make some fundamental changes in how the system currently operates? Last year, 354 Australians left a unique gift when they sadly lost their lives. They were organ donors and between them helped more than a thousand people waiting for transplants. That foresight and generosity marked a bump in numbers from the previous year, but we still need to get it higher. We currently trail about 20 other countries and we have a donation rate of around 16 per million population. Compare that to Spain, which has 34 over double hours. When people talk about the extent of the organ shortage in Australia, they usually quote figures about the number of people on the official waiting lists. But Eric says that those waiting lists aren't giving us the full picture about demand. I think the waiting list does not give an accurate picture of the true need for organs. There are a lot of processes that happen in order for somebody to be 
put onto a waiting list, especially when it comes to renal transplantation or kidney transplants. Um, there are certain survivability factors that patient would have to meet. Um, there are certain protocols they have to follow. They have to be a good candidate. And the fact that we have so many people on dialysis in Australia, last, in 2013, the last number, the last year we have numbers for, um, there were over 11,700 people on dialysis. So technically, almost all of those people would be candidates for kidney transplant. But because we have so few kidneys available for transplantation, these people are not all going to receive kidneys. In fact, only a very small percentage of them will. Right now, of those 11,700 people, only about 9% are listed as potential recipients for a kidney. Uh, the rest, the other 90, over 90% have not. Unfortunately, unless we do something, the already significant problem that we have may get worse as improved public safety decreases the supply of organs and as diseases like type 2 diabetes drive demand up further and further. It's a challenge because what we see in world-leading countries is that although the increasing safety uh, rates uh, um, has reduced death in general, um, they've still managed to increase their organ donation rates. And this is because they focus on that. And so they're trying to further optimize an existing system by finding all the potential donors that exist. Because we have such a problem, I, I would call it a tsunami of type 2 diabetes coming on, this means that there's going to be even more people on dialysis in need of kidney transplants. So we have this conflict between the number of organs available, which is very reduced. And in Australia, that's, that's extremely reduced. And the number of people who need them. So I expect this, no, this disparity to grow significantly in the future. So how can we begin to combat this problem? Brain-dead patients currently represent over 90% of donors. So Eric says that better identifying and managing patients who are likely to become brain dead will almost certainly be a critical strategy for increasing our organ donation rates. Countries that have high donation rates, they all have high brain death rates. And that when we talk about a brain death rate, that's an actual declaration of brain death. In Australia, we don't treat patients through to brain death. We use a concept called treating to futility. So this means that at the point at which the patient is not going to recover, and that's very clear to medically. So we're not talking about whether people die or whether people live. We're talking about where we make a diagnosis of where treatment is withdrawn. In Australia, we withdraw treatment at the point that is considered futile to continue. In all countries that have high donation rates, they continue that treatment through to brain death. So that's a legal definition, the patient is dead. By treating through to brain death, it makes it much easier for a potential donor to actually become a donor. So rather than withdraw treatment when they know the person is going to die, they actually continue it until the person is determined to be legally dead because brain death is a legal, legal definition of death, whereas futility is a prognosis. And this is what all countries that have high donor rates, they treat through to brain death. They don't withdraw at the point that they realize that further treatment would be futile. 
Australians from all walks of life are in need of an organ or tissue transplant. Their lives can be saved and transformed by more Australians becoming organ and tissue donors. The National Organ and Tissue Authority has spent millions of dollars on campaigns that encourage us to talk to our family members about our donation wishes. Since in practice at the moment, it's our families who will have the final say. But Eric says that these kind of campaigns are not a very effective way of increasing the donation rate, and they divert attention from where it should be. The authority has used organ donation as a public issue, meaning that they've put responsibility for Australia's struggling organ donation rates onto the public and made that part of a public issue as opposed to addressing it as I feel it should be as part of the medical community's issue. When we look at what world leading countries do with in order to achieve very high organ donation rates, it's something that is handled by the medical community, meaning it's how potential organ donors are identified, not how the family it reacts to the question, would you donate your loved one's organs or not? So while that is a very important part of the equation, meaning that when the question comes, are you willing to donate your loved one's organs? We need to encourage that positive response as much as possible. But the real benefit for improving organ donation comes with the medical community's ability to identify more potential donors. Organ donation is a very rare occurrence, contrary to what many people think. Um, there are very few types of death that can lead to organ donation, roughly about 2.5% of hospital deaths. So that means 2.5 out of every 100 deaths in a hospital may be considered appropriate for organ donation. So we have a very small pool of people to begin with. And when, when we don't maximize that number that can then be progressed through to becoming donors, um, that's the responsibility of the medical community, not the public. Currently around 40 to 50% of families in Australia, when they're asked, say no to a donation request on behalf of a deceased relative. And while efforts should obviously be made to try and improve that family consent rate, Eric says that many of the world's leading donation countries actually have comparable rates of family refusal. Unfortunately, there's very little to no evidence that that approach of increasing public support or make talking to your family, the authority has spent a lot of money on this talk to your loved ones campaign. Um, there's, there's virtually no evidence that this increases organ donation rates. In fact, we have evidence that shows the opposite. When we look at world-leading countries like Croatia or Spain or many of the European countries, such as France, Portugal, uh, that have increased their donation rates dramatically, we see public support levels for organ donation, which are half of what they are currently in Australia. Yet these countries still manage to regularly achieve 
double what Australia achieves for organ donation rates. So there's no, we cannot find a correlation between public support of organ donation, whether you talk to your loved ones about whether you want to be a donor or not, and high donor rates. That correlation just simply does not exist. So when I see the authorities funding lots of money into these campaigns, it may look good to the public, it may look good to the politicians who have to approve funding for the authority, but there's no scientific evidence that that increases organ donation. Well, there's been another call for Australia to introduce an opt-out organ donation model to try to get rates up to international standards. That would cast every Australian as an organ donor unless they specifically ask to take themselves off the register. One common proposal for increasing organ donation rates is to move to an opt-out system, where the assumption is that donation will proceed unless a deceased person had registered an objection. But Arik is sceptical that an opt-out system would be the panacea that some people think that it might be. First of all, the consent rate here in Australia is not at all bad. In fact, it's quite good. It's on a par with France, which is a world leader in organ donation, also an opt-out country. Opt-out countries, just because they are opt-out, doesn't mean the government automatically takes the organs. And in fact, all world-leading countries in organ donation, even though they are opt-out, will solicit family approval in order to proceed. So if the family says no, the, the donation will not proceed. I do think that opt-out represents more of a fundamental acceptance of the public that organ donation is a logical part of death. So countries that have opt-out systems generally have a public that accepts that organ donation is a normal and a common occurrence when you die, that that's what you should do, in other words. Whereas an opt-in system, which we have in Australia, you have to actually say, I want to be a donor. And that has to be reaffirmed at the time of your death in order for that donation to occur. So rather than have this common idea accepted by the general public, as we tend to see in opt-out countries, in opt-in countries, donation is treated more as an exception. And I think that that's the difference I would point to. There are, there are many, most of the world leading countries are do happen to be opt-out countries, but there are many of the lowest performing countries in terms of organ donation are also opt-out countries. So it's not, you certainly can't say that opt-out is going to fix this problem. According to Dr. Bendorf, if Australians want to see a significant improvement in our organ donation rates, then we need to examine the way we manage critically ill patients who have the potential to become donors. It's the idea that the public is responsible for uh, organ donation. I, as a very personal one, I entered my research thinking that. I thought that, oh, I've signed up to be an organ donor. Anybody can be an organ donor. The fact is that it's a very rare occurrence. And so in order to improve Australia's donation rate, because this is such a rare occurrence, we have to be focused on finding all the potential donors that exist. Right now, there is no effort to examine how we can improve our critical care practices to identify more donors. That's where I think the authorities should be spending money, not on educating the public, because while the public is going to make a decision about whether or not they donate their loved one's organs. As I pointed out, 
the idea that they're able to fix the low organ donation rate is not is, is not real. If we were to receive a hundred percent consent rate from the donor families, we still would not be world leading in organ donation. I would focus on our intensive care principles because the data is very clear. We can't have a high world-leading organ donation rate along with our current critical care practices. We can have one or the other. We can't have both. And so by focusing on saying we're going to have a world-leading organ donation rate along with our current critical care practices, it, it, it's, it's folly to believe this. So the discussion needs to be, are we willing to sacrifice a high donation rate in order to keep our critical care, which I think is world-leading, or do we want to think about finding more cases of potential brain death and treating them through to brain death and raising the, the, the donation rate? So if I were in charge of the system, I would focus on that discussion between the intensivists and how we're actually treating potential donors and identifying them early in the process, because that's where I think the money needs to be focused. And to date, that hasn't happened.